0: Welcome everybody. You are listening to Art of Touring. It's a podcast about the life of the touring musician. I am your host, Ciz Dog, playing so many bands sometimes I can't remember which gig I'm at until I show up at the venue. Too many bands to mention. Oh my god, so many bands. Uh, Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts from. iTunes, Google Play, Podcatcher. It's all on there. This week, on the podcast, I had a chat with Pete from Sydney metal band Sumaru. This is the fourth podcast that was recorded at the Meltdown Festival. The audio is pretty, pretty, pretty good in this one. Uh, There is some background noise, but look, I've done my best to get rid of that, so don't worry about it too much. Uh, There is some coarse language, however, some swearing in this episode, so if you are listening with the kids in the car, best to throw on the Little Mermaid soundtrack right now and then uh, throw this back on once they're dropped off at the in-laws. Pete and I talk about the live music scene in Sydney. Uh, We talk about some road stories, um, amongst other things. Don't want to give too much away uh, during the intro as there's some great stuff in there. Now, let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor, Art of Touring. Episode 7 is proudly brought to you this week by JJ Abrams. Do you own a movie franchise that needs a revamp? Not afraid to hire a director that will kill off beloved characters? Are you sick of the same old plot points that have become all too common among blockbuster movie franchises? Then give JJ a go. He'll take your franchise and give it a fresh boost of life. No need to pay him, he's full of coin. He'll do it for the love. Tell him Sizz Dog sent ya. JJ Abrams, the guy that brought you lost. Which I never ended up getting to see the end of. Did they make it off the island or was it, was the island the afterlife or something? Was it the Sixth Sense kind of ending or were they actually there the whole time and the flashbacks were all just bogus? Listen, let's just assume that they made it off the island. That works. Yeah, let's go with that. JJ Abrams. Irem. Do it. You'll be good at it. All right, guys. Just so you know, Anchor FM hosts Art of Touring. Be sure to check out the website at anchor.fm backslash art of touring. Here's me and Pete having a chin wag for episode seven. Have a listen and I'll see you on the other side. welcome to the art of touring with the Sis Dog coming to you live from the Spotted Mallard for the Meltdown Festival. I'm sitting with Pat from Sumaru. How are you going, Pat? Pete. Oh, Pete! <laughs> fuck! I fucked it up already. Come mate. on, mate. I've got Pat. I've got Andreas. I've got Pete. There it is, Pete yeah, on the Pete. guitar. Pete on guitar. Ah, oh, very good. Hey, going, Pete? I'm good, bro. How are we'll you? We'll keep that in. That's hilarious. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. My voice is uh, is. You shot. It's shot a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting yep. a bit raspy, a lot of talking today. Yep. But um, I'm getting there, man. Yeah. Um, so, where are you from, Pete? Uh, Sydney. Grew up in Sydney,
1: never yep. left. Uh, I've been there ever since I was born. And so, you guys yep. are
0: a Sydney-based band? We're a
1: Sydney-based band, yep. Um, yeah, Sydney City. Uh, a few of us are just south of the city there. Um,
0: Newtown area, et cetera, yep. you know. Yep. How's it going up there? Because we've we've toured up there a couple of times. We've played Frankie's and the Bald yep. Faced Stag um, in a place called the Hideaway Bar. Yes, yep. Uh, but other than that, I haven't played a Sydney venue. The other two that I've played have both closed down. That was FBI Social uh-huh. and Easy Tiger. Yep. So, yeah, how how is it going up there other than the ones that are obviously still going? Um, They're popping up every now and then? Yeah, I mean, I always compare it I guess to I can't
1: help it but I always compare it to what it was like you know 10 years ago 15 years ago more Um, so it's pretty if you compare it to that in terms of the diversity of where you can play yes uh, then it's shit right right Um, you've got venues like Frankie's which is awesome that's like a home our home ground kind of thing yes Uh, we play there quite a bit Uh, Hideaway we've played it's a great little venue um Boldface Stag has kind of taken over from what the Annandale used to be. Um, and there's a few other venues. I mean Blackwire Records was great, but that's shut that's been shut down. Yeah. And it seems like it's really difficult for people to upkeep a venue in Sydney in right. terms of council, in terms of licensing, all these lockout sorts of laws, things, lockout laws, etc. You know? It's out, it's just shit. Yeah, yeah it's a lot harder uh, on the publicans it's a lot harder yeah a yeah. lot harder and these days you've got you know um pubs being owned by <laughs> or one, one person owning 20 pubs or something yeah. like that so you know um it's it's difficult yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but Just there's obviously
0: a few diamonds in the rough there's obviously still places that you can play like, like oh, you said yeah, yeah absolutely
1: yeah. frankie's uh, the factory as well that's another one um, recently, we played in Marrickville at the Red Rattler. That was cool. That's like a loose venue. That's kind of, which is great. It's weird and it's awesome. What's um, it called again? The Red Rattler. The Red Rattler. The Red Rattler.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, But that's not in the heart of the city, is it? That's a bit further out. Oh, it's just
1: it's down in Marrickville, so just around Newtown area. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, still pretty close the way, to the heart. Red Rattler, Factory Theatre. There's the um. Marrickville Bowling Club as well. Yep. That's there. There's a couple of other smaller venues. Um, yeah, so there's a few in that area popping nice. up. It's kind of it's still industrial, so it can still
0: maintain a kind of underground sort of feel. Sure. You know? So yeah, it's good. Oh, nice yeah. one, man. Yeah. Nice one. Um, so you grew up in Sydney. Were there any musicians in your family? No. First no one. one. Yeah, no yeah. one. Yeah. First
1: my first contact with music I, uh, up until maybe I was like 13 I wasn't even interested in music yeah um, the only contact I had with a musical instrument was this piece of shit guitar that was unplayable at my grandma's house right uh, I wasn't even interested in that yeah um, and then heard Pantera This Love that song yes and I was like I want to do music yeah so, right yeah, yeah. I want to play drums actually but then uh, mum and dad talked me out of that and yeah and I started playing guitar. And, the guitar. Yeah. That's
0: that's what it was. I have a similar story. I, I initially wanted to be a drummer as well. Yeah. Uh, and I asked my mum, can I have a drum kit? Yeah. Uh, when I was five. Yep. And she said, ask me again when you're 10 <laughs> if you're still into it. Yeah. And my 10th birthday, I was like, mum, I want a drum kit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I got one. And so I started getting lessons. I was playing drums. I just absolutely loved it. But then... In high school, whenever I was playing the drums with all the bands, um, I felt like I could sing better than every than all the singers in the bands. Yep. So I was like, well, "Fine, I'll just find a drummer and I'll just <laughs> sing," because I just didn't want to. I didn't want to put up with any any more terrible singers. Yeah. Um, but there you go, man. Uh, and so yeah, so even though there was no uh, direct family influence, um, you still found you, you carved your path into playing the guitar. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um,
1: Yeah, it was, you know, when I was 13, 14, high school, year seven, year eight, that's when it sort of kicked off for me. Yeah. Um, What kind of bands were you into? I was into bands like, you know, Pantera initially, uh, Metallica, all those classics. Then you kind of go through your teenage uh, genres, you know, and you get into your Nirvana stage and you get into your, your... pop-punk pop punk stage at, Yeah, in those years you know it was sure. like Pennywise and Green Day and Rancid and all that Yeah. Uh, but in there there was you know the really dark kind of black metal stage and I was into Cannibal Corpse as well and a lot of death metal bands and Dark Throne um, wow. so I just kind of hopped from genre Man to pan genre pan and, and, and yeah, just yeah. kind of absorb it and then one day uh, there was a music festival on down in down at my local beach down in River Beach there, Surf, Skate, Slam and I saw Toe to Toe for the first time. Uh, oh, okay, who's that? that uh, Sydney, old Sydney Hardcore band. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I saw those guys and I was like, that's that's a style. That's what you want that's, to do? That's what I want to do. It's got fucking, yeah. it's punk but it's harder than punk. Yeah. Um, it's, it's It was perfect and so that's when I got into the hardcore punk stuff and that nice. kind of was what I was into for you know, still aiming into, of course, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, and were you in a band in high school? Yeah, I had a band, um, just I was jamming with a couple of friends from, you know, high school. What, what was, it was it called? It was called uh, Tartarus. Tartarus. Yes. Nice. I can't remember what Tartarus means, but... It kind of sounds you know. like tardis from Doctor Who. Yeah, it does. <laughs> It has some. I can't remember what it means. What but, it meant, yeah, yeah. But I had, I had that. So we had that band. That was that net. That was just a garage band. We never did anything. Sure. Then uh, I had another band. it was like a pop punk sort of band called Don't Have Any Style (DHAS). And uh, ah. <laughs> we did a couple gigs, yeah. one or two. We re- re- did some recording. Nice. Yeah. So that was that was the initial thing. Um, and then getting into high school, there's a couple older guys. Uh, Into the hardcore scene, yeah. And they asked me to play guitar and join join with them. They were, and that's when I sort of sort of made my entry into that that world. Yeah, right. So I started playing. That band was called Restraint. Restraint. Uh, And that was the one that kind of started
0: everything. So in terms of heavy music, yeah. Um, oh well, yeah. I mean, I love I love hearing about the, the first bands that people play in high school because it's it's always very interesting to hear the influences that you had and whether or not the other band members back then are still playing music. Mm-hmm. Like are any of those guys mm-hmm. still in the scene or? Oh, still definitely still in the
1: scene. Um, a lot of those guys were older than me, so right. I was always kind of the young guy. Um, but yeah, they're all they're all still around. Um, my mate Pete from Adelaide he's played in plays in a band called Level and we did a band called No Apologies together yep um, we've done a few bands actually uh, a few many hardcore bands yeah uh, so yeah there's still active people you yeah know, from, from that time from that time um, I mean. even if they're on the kind of the periphery it's sort of they're still around still know? there yeah still there still can there. you remember where your first gig was? Uh, first gig was at Marooba Junction Hotel, 1997. Yeah. I think. Oh, no, yes. Yeah, it was. Nice. Yeah.
0: yeah. With one of the high school bands. Yeah, with DHAS. Don't Have Any Style. Pretty and sure that was my first gig. And was that, um, uh, were you underage at that time? How did you get Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I
1: was only, uh, I think, uh, I had this ability to look and talk older than I was when right. I was 15 and 16. <laughs> You didn't have to have um, your mum take you to the. Didn't gig. have to have my mum take. Even though my mum came to the gig and watched, you know, of she, she used to come to all the gigs actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was it was all underage back. There heaps of us were underage. It was easy to get fake IDs and it was easy to kind of weasel your way into venues. You yeah. Know? Unlike right. now, it's like, you know, even older people you were with might sneak you in back then. I mean, these days, like venues are, terrified of the, the <laughs> oh, big the, time of the um you know might, might happen if an underage person's found in the pub you know? exactly
0: it's, yeah it's, it's not it's different not, different time you know that's it man yeah um how often do you guys get to um, leave sydney obviously you're in melbourne tonight mm-hmm. but um how often yeah do you guys get to tour because at the moment you you've got a big tour coming up don't you yeah what we've got about, we've got
1: about 9 dates coming up yeah um at the moment we've just done ballarat last night did melbourne tonight um we've got a bunch of bunch of other stuff coming out mm uh yeah, we're kind of... I mean, I'm going overseas for a few months in a couple of months' time, so yeah. this was the time to do something because we haven't toured in, like, a couple of years. Right. Like that. It's been a while. And it's in know. support of an EP? Uh, it's not in support of anything in particular. We just need to get ourselves out there because we do have an album that we're trying to get released Yeah. Uh, at the moment. It's sitting there. So you're trying to fill um, the coffers? Yeah, just the coffers (laughs) kind of (laughs) if that's possible going on tour empty the coffers you know yeah yeah, so we've got an album coming out hopefully very soon yes Um, so we just want to you know let people know we're still alive and kicking and then hopefully the album will come out while I'm away and we can I can come back and we can do this again yeah and hopefully take it you know overseas and you know into other areas and places we've never been before you know
0: what kind of um like districts or like areas overseas were you hoping to go
1: man i'd love to travel to europe with the band yes i think we would do really well over there um there's a really nice appreciation in europe heavier in terms music. of heavier music yeah, you know? yeah uh asia i'd love to travel through sure know, with, with, with the music I've, i mean i've been in asia quite a bit and I would just love to take a band through there. Mm. Know,
0: places like Japan and you know Southeast Asia and stuff like that, you know. I think it would be great. Well, once you've got the booking sorted out and you know, you, if you're able to get on a, a good booking agency that were able to hook you up with maybe some supports or you know venues that just have a, a an organic crowd, oh, you probably do yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, it's just um I mean there's also a lot you can do just yourself, you know. Yeah. Talking to people and just saying, "Hey, this is our band and this is what we do and what we've done and yeah. can we jump on this? Um, can we book a tour, you know? Yeah. yeah. And this, these days, it's a lot more easier to get overseas as well than it used to be. Right. You know, it's much more global kind of thing, so...
0: Well, that's right. I guess yeah. with the advent of the internet, we've, if you've got a pretty good online presence, most people can see that and go, oh, all these guys should be able to pull, you know, a crowd or whatever, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Can you think back um, and possibly if you could remember the best gig that you've ever played like you can you think back like oh man that gig was the best you know (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yep (laughs) um there was yeah i mean i ended up that band that i saw toe to toe for the first time i ended up joining that band a few years later wow Um, which was like for me at that time was a you know a bit of a dream come true yeah uh and so we got to do a lot of festivals. Uh, Warped to a Livid festival when it was oh, going. Wow! Um, so that that was a lot of fun in terms of like mass massive people, you know, playing in ten thousand people or whatever was pretty That's cool. That's insane, dude! And having like a good, you know, good spot on the festival was nice. Yeah, uh, that was a great experience. Um, in terms of shit, fucking <laughs> <try I> <laughs> uh, <laughs> smaller gigs. Wow, there's so many. Um, yeah. There's heaps. I really enjoyed the last the last gig that my last band did. No apologies. Yes. The Manning Bar in Sydney. I was a I was shocked that we even sold that out. Right. Um, but we did, and that that was that was insane. Um, last band from my other band before that, Last Nerve. Yeah. Gaelic Club in Sydney. That was pretty insane. Is that still um, going?
0: The Gaelic Club.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I right. So on. they're not they're not kind of operating like they used to, but yeah, they're still still going. Because it's a big um, room, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big room. Yeah. yeah. But then you know, then, then there's the smaller shows like playing playing in people's like bedrooms. Like I can remember one of my old bands, Dad's there playing in. We did a tour to Brisbane once, and we just played like a couple squats <laughs> under a house, like in dirt, and it was just amazing. It was you know? just awesome. It was always like. That's the kind of shows we did and it was they were like unbelievable, you yeah. know? Just the intensity and the like the sheer power of that band and the yeah. the crowd would just always be going
0: crazy, you know. So it it's that a, was memorable stuff. You it, know? it's an interesting um Because you you never know when a good show is going to happen. You could put all the promotion into the world, you know, you could put all like the effort and energy, and then you show up and it's just like a dead crowd or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you could just show up to a gig and not give a shit, and it could be fucking amazing. Exactly. Like, I remember um, back in the early noughties, I was playing in a band, uh, and I think it was when I first started working. Mm. Um, like full time yeah I think I just bought a house I had a lot of stress in my life and I was I was booked to play this show I think it was on this street um, on Sydney Road here Uh, and I was not in the mood to play a, a gig yeah I was just in a bad space yeah And I show up to this gig, I'm like, oh, here we go. I've got to play this show, whatever. This is probably gonna be it was like a Wednesday night. There's no one gonna be there. I show up, I put my guitar in, and it was just an acoustic gig. I think I had a bass player and a drummer, maybe. No, maybe not even a drummer. Anyway, I played the first chord on sound check and the foldback was ridiculous. Yeah. It was amazing. (laughs) And then I checked the microphone and I could hear like everything perfectly. Yeah. And I was like, this is Awesome, <laughs> and so just because of the foldback, yeah. I had like in my mind like the gig, the best gig I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was so weird because I'd never even thought uh, like that night was going to be anything. Like I was going into it mm. with a shit mindset, but there you go, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. yeah, kind of on the same vibe. Can you think back maybe to a crappy gig, a, a, something that was shit? Um. Fucking, there's fucking heaps of those <laughs> <laughs> like have you ever had to do any
1: covers well actually do a little bit of covers work yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah. just to make money you know like the guys in our band everyone's kind of a working muso in a way our drummer Andres he's kind of like the workhorse covers gig band um he does a lot of stuff yes just constantly playing covers almost every night wow and, um, I think he did like 170 something gigs last year oh my god <laughs> yeah uh so, so he must intense. have a day gig that's his gig that's his gig yeah pretty much Shit. um and if he's not doing covers gigs then he's organizing covers gigs sort of yeah thing. right so uh i've done a plenty of covers gigs um they're kind of they can be very soul destroying in terms of you know you're at some rsl club it's bloody you've done three four sets 45 minute sets it's yeah. like the last one everyone that's in the club is on the pokies and you're just playing to no one yeah. you know um, you're just it's there rough. to make the money really and just fuck yeah. off really you
0: know, well it's interesting yeah. that like a lot of venues I'm not sure what it's like in Sydney but in Melbourne there might be a law I might be getting this wrong but I'm pretty sure if you have pokies in your venue there's a law that you have to have some type of entertainment other exactly th- other yeah. than the yeah. pokies.
1: same it's the same in Sydney so right so that is a thing. Th- that's a thing. Um, and so a lot of the time they'll just get a band just to you know so fulfill fulfil that fulfill that responsibility in yeah. terms of the the law, you know. Uh, So you're not really there because they want you to be there. It's because you have to be there, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, What's what's the one song that's been requested at a covers gig the most that you just go, oh, really? (laughs) You want Uh, to hear that song?
1: Sweet Child of Mine, Summer of 69. Yes. Uh, They're they're pretty much right up there. Oh, K-San. K-San, K-S- yep. yeah, Casey, whatever. It what is. about
0: horses? Have you ever been told? Yeah, that, that's
1: actually been popping up quite a bit lately. It
0: has, hasn't <laughs> yes, it?
1: It has. It's been so it's being requested a lot. Last couple now. I think I did. That was the, that was the one that got got yelled out for. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think I might know the reason why. Yes. That song has suddenly become popular again. And it's because of this band, well they're not a band, they're they're a, a DJ act called Teddy Cream. Oh yeah, yeah. And they did a um, a cover of horses, but like yeah. with, you know, the DJ stuff underneath it. Mm-hmm. And because of that song, uh, how popular that remix became, yeah. everyone's like, Oh play horses, you yeah, know. It's absolutely. like all these teeny yeah. boppers who had never heard the song before, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I kinda I'm not that I'm responsible for it, but the kid in that band or in that DJ group I taught him. Yep. he's one of my ex-students. <laughs> and so next time I see him, I'm going to go... It's all your fault. It's your fault. I have to play horses every gig now. But it's a, it's a good problem to have. Um, do you have any funny stories from the road that stick out in your mind? That you're like, oh my God, really? You're puking in the tour van again? Oh, like, man. Yeah, there's, there's
1: like fucking masturbation puking stories and there's all sorts of stuff. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> how, how deep do you want to go? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, there's some horrible stuff. Um, Just don't name any Yeah. Names. I won't name any names at all. <laughs> but but it was pretty loose. Uh, yeah. The the five people that I was in that the, the time that was in Toe to Toe when I was in that band. Sure. Uh, it was a very interesting mix of of five people so yes we had some very interesting journeys um, was, you know, in Adelaide getting chased out of pubs by bikies, and then ending up at the <laughs> the pub down the road and then car loads of bikies rocking up to that pub and just starting to beat the shit out of everyone oh my god um, and us just not even knowing anything was going on then we go outside and everyone's just like black eyed and bruised and oh. our guitar tech at the time you know had a black eye and then the next day, they were doing security for the show that we were playing. So um, oh that, was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, there's there's other things I can not mention. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's always it's funny. Like you go on tour and you just kind of switch into some other kind of mode of being uh, energetically. It's hard to sort of settle at the end of the night so well I mean you know. you,
0: you're in a, a, a closed space for a long time mm. with with lads yep most of the time and um, unless someone brings a girlfriend or a wife along which is, yep. always has its own set of you know yep. problems or you know whatever <laughs> um, but yeah obviously things are sometimes things are going to get hectic in yep. the van you're yep. going to entertain yourself
1: oh absolutely yeah you know Yeah, I mean yeah you think of it if you go on a tour for a month or something it's just Testosterone, testosterone, <laughs> testosterone, <Yeah>. like it, <laughs> shit gets crazy, you know, yeah, that's, man. uh you add in hangovers and all sorts of stuff and people, people get fried, people yeah. do stupid shit, people, you know, um, do great things even. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you surprise, you, you can even surprise yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I love about playing music is kind of, especially heavy music because, um, the, <laughs> the and, and going on tour is that you've got to draw sometimes on
0: these uh, depths of energy you didn't think you had right you know? so yeah, yeah. now get, getting back on what you said about um, the bikies in Adelaide yeah. it reminded me of a story when I was playing in a cover band in the, the mid noughties with my brother he was a bass player um, we played a gig at the Grand View Hotel um, and we were just playing the show it was actually the, literally the, the second last song. And all of a sudden, the way the Grandview is set up, there's a stage and then around a corner there's a, there's a series of pool tables. Mm. And I'm just playing, I think it was My Happiness or something by Powderfinger, I'm just playing it solo and I see this dude come out of the corner and run to the exit and then another dude with a pool cue chasing <laughs> And I just stopped playing immediately. <laughs> it was kind of like Star Wars in the cantina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi chops yeah. off that dude's arm. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and the security guards, uh, like I stopped playing and then we went outside and the security guard had, had wrestled the, um, the pool cue off the guy and it was all fine. Yeah. And then little did I know that the Hell's Angels clubhouse was literally a block over. Yeah. So yeah. that was their local watering hole. Oh well. Wow. And so that was apparently a tame night at the Grand. Yeah, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go, man. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, do you have any family, Pete? I do. Yeah. Do you uh, have any kids?
1: Like, oh, kids? No kids. I've got. I'm recently married. I got married last October. Oh, congratulations! Um, thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. So we're hap- we're happily married. Yep. And um,
0: yeah. Kids, kids are on the cards. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, your um, your partner supportive of your musical career. Obviously, you're here and you know you're on the road, and she knows that's part of the deal. <laughs> she knows that's part of the deal. Yeah. Um, sometimes she doesn't
1: like the deal. Sure, sure. But, you know, it's only because she loves me and I love her, and we yes. don't want to be apart all the time. You know, I've been this tour especially. I mean, I've been away before this like a couple of days before this tour started yes. I was in Japan um, Japan by myself for a month um, so then I came home and said well I've got to go off again see you later so yeah, right. obviously not too happy but yeah. I mean she's yeah very understanding and that's and really good man good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah absolutely um so, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned before that you've played the Hideaway Bar. Yes. Up in Sydney. And yeah. I did see um, some footage of of a, one of the shows that you played there um, on YouTube, I think it was. Now, when we played there, we were a four-piece and we fucking struggled to fit on that stage. <laughs> How the hell did you guys fit a five-piece on that tiny rinky-dink stage, dude? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tricky. It is tiny. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think it's even the new stage that they've built even harder to work around than the, the old stage that they had So they had a different stage they there. had a different stage there and it was kind of the new ones much longer yeah um, it's kind of like it's weird it's like it's on its side facing the bar but the stage you face out to the that, that, that direction right if you know what I mean um so yeah oh, you just find your place and you yeah, just plonk yourself you there yeah. last night was the same we had a tiny stage about the same size as that in Ballarat and you just find your, your area yep. um, you might smash your head into a cymbal stand or you might you know smash your singer in the head with your guitar stock
0: right. uh, yep. just all. my guitarist all has done it. that many times yep. Yeah. oh man so, because when we played there, the the publican decided to close the doors, mm. even though the venue was open. Mm-hmm. He had the doors closed, so I don't think people even knew that there was that the place was open. <laughs> yeah, right. Do they have the doors open when you were there? I think
1: they closed the doors. For they the bands. do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. close. because it's quite, um, you know, it's not a kind of. Live, oh, it might be to do with the it's, um, it's a noise noise, noise restrictions. restrictions so, man, I mean, it's great that they. They can exist where they are in terms yeah. of the area. Uh, there's a lot of restaurants there and yeah. uh, residential stuff. So, mm. I mean, it's good. They're still going. It's been like two, three years
0: now. So, oh, well, I hope it keeps going, man. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. You don't want to lose any more venues up there. No. Um, how do you guys come up with your songs? Um, is there one so- songwriter in the band or you guys all jam and come up with tunes together? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it used to be more of a jam thing. Um, That's
1: where the good riffs would kind of just appear, you know, from the riff gods or whatever. Yeah. Uh, These days it's more, I I kind of just come up with riffs at home, record a few riffs uh, and just take it to the band. Yeah. And then we might add in riffs that the other guys write or uh, stuff like that. I tend to write most of the lyrics myself. Uh, but our singer Matt arranges it um, to fit the song. Sure. And he'll, you know, after after I've given it to him and then he's done his thing to it, it it turns out to be very different to most of the time anyway to what what I've written. What you had already yeah. got, yeah. 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 So, so
0: certainly a collaborative effort. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm
1: yeah totally useless in terms of songwriting without without those guys, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's an interesting question because a lot of the time when I ask that question, um, the bands always have um, a different response. Mm. You know, some bands, yeah, there's one, like, songwriter, he writes everything and Mm -hmm. everyone's pretty much just playing... You know, they obviously help with the arrangement, but the yep. lyrics, the melody, the chord structure is all there and then they just base the song around that. But, um, yeah, it's always nice to hear when uh, bands that do do that genuine collaborative effort, you yeah. know. Because yeah. then, obviously, it's more authentic that, that way, you oh, know. Oh, absolutely. Not more authentic, yeah.
1: yeah. And then the ideas, you know, like, everyone who I, who's in the band is is a very... Is, they're really good musicians. They're really creative. They're just fantastic at their instruments. Mm. Um, so, I mean, to to even think about hogging the songwriting is just a stupid idea you know right yeah um, yeah absolutely that's cool man
0: yeah. um, where can people just while we're winding up here um, where can people find you guys on the internet
1: uh, we got sumaru.bandcamp.com yeah you'll find our um, previously released stuff there yes find us on Facebook uh, Mount Sumaru um, we're on Instagram Sumaru yeah yeah uh, so yeah it's not hard to find us it's all there yeah it's all there it's all there
0: and we, uh, we're we waiting for the,
1: um, the next album next album yeah it's done it's ready it's all mixed mastered everything yeah uh, we've got people interested in releasing it um, in certain formats uh, just looking for someone to you know put it out on vinyl Oh so that's, so that's what you want? That's what we want. Yeah, yeah you want it We'd on like that. we want it on, we want it on wax, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a great record. It's the the last couple of things we've done have just been things we've done ourselves, so yes. it's not not really um I guess representative of what we what we're capable of, you sure. know, I feel. Uh, the new record is more more along the lines of like, Okay, this is this is us, this is what this is we ours. actually sound like and yeah how what we can do um it's a lot heavier this record
0: where did you record it
1: I uh, recorded it we tracked it down in Adelaide um down at Ghost Notes studios with uh uh Jimmy from the Grenadiers um yeah and then we mixed it up in Sydney with Lachlan Mitchell who's um plays in a band black metal band called Nazul uh and is yeah doing a lot of I guess more kind of rock and roll, indie rock kind of bands at the moment. Yeah, um, but he's great. We've worked with him before on uh, other other bands we've done. Yes. Um, so he's mixed it. Uh, yeah, and it's it sounded really good. And it's yeah. been mastered as well. Obviously. It's been mastered. Yeah, we've yeah. mastered it
0: up. Um, it's ready to go. It's ready to go. And so you've got that product, and now you're like shopping it around to labels to try and get some coin to get it pressed onto vinyl. That's like the end goal.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah I mean. Yeah it's it's just because you you put so much money into a record when you do it yourself yes you know especially when you want to do it right I mean recording's not cheap a lot of people these days are not even worrying about doing albums because it's just not financially feasible yeah um, we had a bit of support from someone uh, and that kind of allowed us to be able to do a decent record mm-hmm. um, so now you know after that whole process expensive process yes bands broke we don't have the funds to release it ourselves right we can't do it so I mean it it would be um, a bit of time before we could do that especially pressing vinyl it's not cheap no it is not my friend no
0: (laughs) I was in a very similar camp in my first band The Pass Outs we'd you know uh, played enough shows to pay for uh, the recording of an album it took two years yeah. Um. To record everything, uh, beg, stole, uh, beg, uh, borrowed and stole. You know everything I, I could to kind of get it done. Yeah. And then at the end of the whole process, I had it mixed, I had it mastered. Same exact boat. The kitty was gone. Yeah. Just no yeah. coin left to even press it on CD, let alone vinyl. Exactly. Yeah. And the other guys in the band, you know, they weren't able to put in any coin um, to get it released, and I was just, I was. I was at the end of the of the whole project. I'm like, screw it. I've got a full-time job. At the time, I didn't have any kids. Yep. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Uh, I've got my mortgage to pay, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm going to just spend the three and a half grand that's going to cost me to put this out on vinyl. Yeah. And yeah. I've never seen like maybe t- I've maybe got 10% of that back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I can go home. And drop a needle on an album that I'm super proud of. Yeah, exactly. Even though that band isn't as active as it used to be, um, I'm like super excited whenever I get to you know listen to that record on vinyl because uh, it's just a super cool thing. And exactly, yeah. As an artist, if you don't like put your money where your mouth is, well, what's the point?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, and I think as well, like, I mean, kind of being the one that kind of sort of takes care of the running of the band and stuff like that. Um, mm. You don't want to... Like, sometimes it feels like it can get to a point where it's like you've sort of hammered everyone for for cash and stuff. Like, yeah. everyone's put so much money into it and it's yeah. like, it gets to this, like, breaking point where I'm like, fuck, I'm almost over this. But it's like, you know, do you really <laughs> want to be in a band? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and finding that, that place... That doesn't put over, everyone over the edge. Yeah. You know, financially and, you know, um, however else, you know, yeah. mentally, emotionally, whatever. Uh, it's well, difficult. Um, yeah. So, yeah, at this point it would be nice to have something yeah. come in, you know. So, well, yeah, I'm sure, you
0: know, once you've finished the tour, if, you know, things don't work out, if you can't find someone to, to put it out, I'm sure after a few gigs you could probably get it out yourselves anyway, you know.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean yeah we can release it ourselves but yeah. it's sort of that's the lucky lucky place we're in in terms of how the internet's set up now and all that you can just go okay well we we'll just we'll just put it out online yeah we'll just you know do it that way and then we'll release it on
0: vinyl later or whatever well you know what I actually heard I'm not sure with the name of the website but I think there's a website that you can get your fans to pre-order the vinyl and once they've got a hundred copies purchased mm. the vinyl company will press it and send them out oh, well, and if they don't get the hundred copies then they just get their money back yep. and you can have the campaign going on for however long you want mm. Mm. Um, and I think that's a lot of how a lot of bands nowadays are getting their their vinyls done because, Mm. like you said, it's so expensive. Yeah, but if you have that committed fan base that really wants the um, I mean, if that option was available back in 2013 when I was doing it, (laughs) I definitely would have done it because I I guarantee I would have got a hundred people ready to buy it, you know, and it probably would have been a good motivator too to actually start selling it, you know, to to people. But there you go, man. Oh, cool! Well, thank you so much for joining us, Pete, on the art of touring. No worries, mate. And uh, we await the, uh, the the release on on vinyl or, or online when it when it's ready. And um, yeah, thanks again for having a chat. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, brother. Appreciate it, mate. Ciao. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> later. Yes, we've come to the end of the show for another week. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Also, go check out my band, Smokestack Rhino, who are featured in this podcast every week. Our opening and closing theme is a song called Screwdriver Girls. You can check out the whole song on iTunes. Uh, you can follow the band on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Twitter, even our very own Website www.smokestackrhino.com. To keep up to date with our gigs, though, give us a like on Facebook where all our touring dates will be uploaded as soon as they come in. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show, have a bit of a chat. If you're a touring musician, hit me up. I'd love, love, love. To hear from you, you can listen to Art of Turing on Anchor FM and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this episode or previous episodes of the podcast, please take a moment to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review. It'll really help a lot. That's all for this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Pete from Sumaru. Hope to see that vinyl release soon, big fella. Looking forward to it. Now let's get in some plugs. My band, Smokestack Rhino, are playing at the Jamboree Music Festival in Sydney on Saturday, July 21st. Tickets are available from their website at www.jamboreemusicfestival.com. You can download our debut album from iTunes or go to our Bandcamp page to purchase a physical copy or grab a T-shirt. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Turing with the Sizz Dog. Oh, oh, oh! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by JJ Abrams. Tweet him and ask him what the frig happened at the end of Lost, then tweet me, his reply. Three episodes so far. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just using sizz Dog because it's my nickname uh, instead of you know the art of touring with Dave. Like it's not very <laughs> <laughs> sizz Dog. The Siz Dog. The Siz Dog. Well, look, I mean, okay. Obviously, I didn't give myself the nickname. Yep. Um, I was working um, uh, my first teaching gig at Melton, and a friend of mine uh, was started to call me Sizer. Yeah. Because my last name's Siriani. Okay. So it Siriani and then Sizza and then just Siz. Yeah. And so I just became Siz. Everyone was kind of calling each other dog for some reason. What's that? <laughs> dog. Yeah. Dog. And yeah. um, so I was a Siz dog. There was the Plu dog because she was Marie Plumatus. There was H uh, Dog for Heather, H Dog. Yep. But then it just stuck with me. Like I was Sizz Dog. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I even got the number plate. <laughs> oh, fucking so hell. So there you go. <laughs>